welcome to the African Cities podcast. My name is Chris Jordan. I'm the communications manager with African Cities, uh, and I'm joined today in Nairobi uh, by Ola Aduku, who's from Liverpool University, and Martin Atella, who's ACRC's update director, but his day job is at the Partnership for African Social Governance Research in Nairobi, PASCAR. So thank you very much, both of you, for, for joining me. It's a pleasure. Really interested to get your thoughts uh, and hear your experiences uh, around issues of decolonization. It's an issue that has grown in prominence over the last few years, but I'm sure you both have kind of a long history and experience of, of dealing with these issues day to day. And it's something that we're trying to grapple with within the African Cities Research Consortium. So, Olive, if I could turn to you first. Um, you've been working in development-related um, work for, for a long time. Um, how, how do you come to the issue of decolonization, and particularly as it's, it's currently being conceived? Oh, that's a hard question. But I guess the whole decolonization discussion is a long discussion, but it's also part of a longer process. And I think probably in my academic life, there have been times when issues around decolonization have come up further. And certainly since the Black Lives Matter movement, certainly in the UK, I think academically there has been a significant push towards looking at how we decolonize the way we teach, the way we research, and indeed the ways in which we see ourselves. So, um, yeah, I've been engaged with it throughout. And I think this is a, certainly a high point again where we're being asked to really think carefully. And it's from everything, from indeed how we teach undergraduates right through to postgraduate research and also the ways in which we frame our research questions. So, yeah, it's a continuing journey, I would say. And most of us are engaged with it in some in some fashion or the other. Mm. And I certainly support the process. And Martin, um, you're based in Nairobi, you're an African researcher. Um, how do you come at these issues? Yes, um, um, I think um, working in the development field, um, uh, Pascal is my third job postgraduate, so to say. Um, you, the issues of uh, decolonization, you sort of um, deal and reckon with almost in everyday relations, um, because most of our work involves um, <clears throat> working very closely with the partners in the global south as well as partners in the global north. And most of our partnerships tend to be around issues around knowledge generation, issues around knowledge creation, um, and the use of evidence for, for, for policy and practice. Um, and decolonization, as Ola rightly put, it's not a new thing. It, it's found a new warmth, so to say, because of the Black Matters, a Black Lives Matters movement. Um, but 
even going back, um, uh, looking at through looking at development discourse all through, it's been at the center of the conversation um, around, for instance, aid. Um, how we uh, do aid and development, how we do development assistance, how we do bilateral uh, relationships. Um, it's now more um, highlighted in research because I think uh, academics and um, uh, funders who fund academics and research are coming to terms in the reality of the fact that those relationships are never equal. And it is time if research processes have to produce the outcomes that they are intended for, that we made relationships a lot more equal and equitable. And I guess for all African researchers and academics, like, it's a very personal issue, right? It's, it's, this is not a, just a theoretical, um, abstract sort of interesting thing. This is this is day-to-day reality. Yeah, I guess as African researchers, or at least as an African researcher or academic placed in a northern university, it is our day-to-day. I mean, when the the idea about positionality comes very much into the discussion. I mean, one is effectively employed by a Western body. Uh, one is interested in doing research in the South. Uh, and where does that place one in terms of both research, research subjects and also, if you like, for those whom the research is being done? And I think that's probably a... A good way to bring in the work that the ACRC is doing, which is really, I think, beginning to work much more collaboratively and begin to look at co-creation of research object objectives. Certainly, at the beginning of my time as a as a, as a young academic, it was very much you went and did research there mm. in the south, and it was development research, and mm. there might be a small research fund to do it. But it was very clear the the there and the here, and the fact that this was being done as an aid projects to a large extent. So I think that has changed over time, which is good. Uh, but there's still that need to critically think about, you know, the I would call it the symmetry. Is it a really symmetrical relationship or is there asymmetry, which is often the case? Yeah, um, I suppose for, you know, an African academic or researcher based in Africa, um, you grapple with a number of things. Um, the imbalance in the sense of uh, research funding. So most of our research tell is funded from organizations or institutions from the global north, as we, as, as we refer to them. Um, and most of what is currently seen as top-tier journals where you publish that research are also based in the global north. So in a way, you are, you're, you're doomed on both sides because um, funding is tied to specific ideas. If you look at most calls for proposals, the ideas have already been you know, outlined for you. You're responding to other people's ideas. As you do the research, there are conditionalities that are attached to it. So if you want to publish and compete with the global um, world, you have to publish in journals that have been given premium by, you know, sort of um, Western academics. Um, so it's, 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 it's a real challenge. But perhaps even more real in the sense that 
when we're talking about decolonizing knowledge and knowledge processes or even partnerships, um, we are starting from the point of view that um, there is a history and that history has shaped the way things have been done to the point where we are. And that realization means that beginning to challenge power structures um, um, is of not a welcome move. And it, it means that it begins with you as an individual to self-introspect and position yourself, very rightly put by Ola, in all this conversation, uh, before even engaging with others. In, in it. So it's a very personal thing because um, some African academics lived through the process. Some of us have experiences through sort of bequeathed to us. Yeah. So let's turn to the African Cities Research Consortium because some of the issues that you highlight, you know, they're, they're present in, in this research uh, effort. Uh, you know, we at the University of Manchester originally responded to a call from what was then differed, um, you know, that, that kind of marked out the territory. Yeah. Um, yeah, and ultimately we, we are funded uh, as a consortium by them. So I know you, you two have, have both been looking at some of the issues that we need to grapple with if we're going to do better as a consortium and if we're going to move research practices forward. Could you just outline um, some of the, 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 the terrain and some of the issues that a research consortium like ACRC needs to be grappling with? Well, I guess in some ways, starting from the consortium itself, who are the partners? Um, if we look at if we look at the banding of the consortium, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think most of our partners are from the global north. But then I guess it's that as we put together the bid, I think there was a lot of consultation, but possibly again, um, consultation from partners in all forms, from all in all. All those involved in what has now become the partnership, I think some partners were possibly consult, consulted at a later point than others. Obviously, it's very difficult to put in a, a large bid, but um, it's interesting that as we've got to this stage, there are partners who are just beginning to understand the extent of the consortium. So I think at the, at the get-go, as the Americans would say, I think there's an issue about making sure that all those involved have, I guess, at least equal knowledge and ideally equal participation in the task of creating the bid. That would be a start in terms of um, beginning to dissect things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I suppose ACRC, like most um, research partnerships that bring together uh, these different parts of the world, um, would be grappling with not only its um, the way it is structured, but the way it was created. And 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 for me, I think that's where the biggest challenge begins. Um, that Chris, you rightly put it. This is this was a call by FCDO. They defined clearly what is needed. Um, so, what is the space for ACLC to deviate from any of that original thinking? So that has to be an ongoing conversation, and it means FCDO. Um, if I could just use the blunt terms, the colonizer has to be willing 
you know, to engage with that conversation. Um, and then um, all has referred to, you know, how did the partnership come together? We have to recognize that ACFC is made up of partners which enjoy very different capacities and, and, and powers. So Manchester, for instance, is highly resourced, globally renowned university, um, has been at the forefront of the development of some of the theories we are testing under ACSC. ACID, for instance, a 10-year-plus project, looked at uh, political settlements and doing politics smartly. Um, and then you bring in SDI, for instance, which is a community-based organization um, with deep knowledge and expertise in engaging community at the local level. Those are very different uh, dynamics. So it's the consortium to find a way of sort of bringing everybody to the table and creating an atmosphere where each partner feels respected, trust can be built, um, and to recognize that indeed we are dealing with an animal here, which is about unlearning um, um, uh, um, ways of doing things, which we see were unequal, we recognize they are unequal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess the other thing, just in practical terms to reflect on, is the experience we've had, we've all had over the last couple of years mm-hmm. of, of the global pandemic. Um, you know, as if issues of decolonization and partnership and, uh, and developing relationships of trust weren't difficult enough already. Um, we've all been stuck in our homes and, you know, two years in, just about this is the first time that we've all been able to, to, to get together um, and talk about this face-to-face rather than through through Zoom. Do, do you think for you, is, is there something about about that? Have you, have you noticed the, the difference in conversations when you're face-to-face rather than mediated through a screen? Oh, definitely. I mean, I think that, um, yeah, I mean, the world's basically stopped or paused for at least the first nine months. But then again, in some ways, it again highlights the asymmetries in terms of as the world has got back to business, it is still much more difficult for the south to travel to the north um, versus the north traveling to the south. So... In that highlighting about um, yeah the, the differences and divisions in the world in terms of how um, a global disease affects uh, different places differently mm-hmm. has come through the um, the process of being part of ACRC. Um, but I mean the positives are that um, as I have said anecdotally, the first place I heard about Zoom was back in Lagos in November 2019, well before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, some parts of Africa have been resourced enough in terms of the both the infrastructure and the technology to go onto Zoom. Mm-hmm. So that has been a positive in some ways. But um, now that we're coming out of it, I can see the challenges still of um, travel across for particularly our African partners. Um, so, But it's been positive definitely to be able to get back together and it's been really nice to be in a space together and out of the box yeah. or the computer yeah. screen. Yeah, no, I agree totally. Um, it, it was amazing, so to say the least, that um, groups such as ACRC could leverage on technology, or could leverage technology to connect 
such a large group mm. of people. Um, obviously, it comes with its own challenges. Um, one that I could highlight, for instance, is the time difference. Mm. So the planning around most of ACS's um, workshops uh, were done in consideration of the um, the UK, UK timings, British standard yes, time, the, the yeah. British standard time, um, and for a lot of researchers in Africa and other parts of the continent, they had to stay quite late mm-hmm. in the evening to keep up with it. But for me, the opportunity to engage and not allow the pandemic stop mm. engagement, um, I think, overrides Absolutely. yeah um, uh, these challenges. The issue that all are raised about. Um, I'd just call it blatantly open discrimination around uh, global travel uh, still just highlights the inequality that we face in the world. We saw it with HIV um, uh, and now it's even more highlighted with um, uh, with COVID and, and, and what we call you know the, the discrimination in terms of access to vaccines mm. um, yeah yeah and even before COVID you know it was difficult enough to get visas for African researchers who sure. wanted to come and visit the UK or participate in workshops or conferences so yeah it's a whole other podcast probably <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I, I just want to turn finally to um, the agenda going forward so lots of issues, lots of contradictions, um, lots of stuff that we're just going to have to keep on addressing, uh, talking about, trying to to find a way through. Um, But what do you see as the sort of the positive agenda? What can we be doing as as a research consortium to make sure that we really do try and do this research in a different sort of way? I think it's building on what's gone on so far. I think being able to have sessions like these, apart from the niceness of being face-to-face, really beginning to address difficult questions about power. And um, power and indeed, if you like, post-colony as opposed to colon- mm-hmm. colonization. Um, but I would always, always say in terms of research that I do, particularly in Africa, what is the legacy? Mm-hmm. So it's that fundamental question about what's really good is we're talking about uptake and so on. So we're saying the right words. But in reality, as um, the person I was sitting next to, who's part of the um, S, the SLD group here, um, when a project ends, um, a good project means that the researcher really becomes part of that community. So it's almost anthropological. Mm. And often the, the researcher has his or her own task and is seen as a very important elder or whatever in that community setting. But when the elder moves, who takes that role on? So if it's a successful one, it's back to the whole development discussion. A good development project means that it sustains itself when the developer or the person bringing in the aid leaves. So it's that embeddedness in the existing communities in which we're working with and how that, how the ACRC consortium has its own future, which is not mediated by the north. It's probably mediated by the cities that we've been involved in in the south and grows further. Mm. A good point to start, actually. Um, I remember... I think it's one of the SDI members who, who put for us that challenge. Um, what does this you want to be remembered for after the five or six years? Um, and perhaps to respond to your question, Chris, 
um, what is it that we need to do to ensure that we we do the research and the program differently and better. Uh, I think we have to, as a consortium, decide to borrow Beth's words. Um, what is it that we can? achieve right so with very clear indicators around at the end of these five years we committed to decolonize our processes and do our research better um, who will own the knowledge you know who will own the data yeah um, what's the balance or share of, of um, what do you, uh, let me call it intellectual property rights to the publications that are coming out of this not just to African scholars, but the community as well. Do they feel they own the data? Do they feel they own the solutions that are uh, coming out of this? And for me, it will be a marker of success of having done things differently. If in our 13 or the five or seven or eight last cities, we can leave um, pointers of real changes that ACLC brought. You know, communities that are evidence transformed. Examples of policies that benefited from our uh, evidence. Um, the number of research projects that were genuinely led and co-designed by policymakers and community members and African uh, uh, researchers. That would, to me would be a true uh, example of a well done Global South, Global North um, research project. Thank you. So uh, it's clear that we're at the start of this conversation and hopefully it's something that we'll come back to uh, over the, the life uh, of, of ACRC and, and beyond. Um, Martin and Ola, thank you very much for joining me today. It's been thank a pleasure. You. Thank you. You've been listening to the African Cities podcast Remember to subscribe for more urban development insights and interviews from the African Cities Research Consortium.